see an animal skin, <laughs> That's what I'm going to do to you now. Fair the skin from your body. Slowly. Bit by bit. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Thanks, Jack. Welcome back to Little Hops of Horrors podcast. I'm John, your host as always. Uh, thank you again for joining us for the first episode of the new year. I uh, hope everyone had a good uh, holiday season. It's over. You can relax. You don't have to see the in-laws again for a while. So that's always uh, that's always welcome, right? Um, except mine. I do love mine. Uh, <laughs> actually, they did something super cool for me this year. Um, for Christmas, we posted a picture. Um, my brother-in-law got us, like the entire family, um, little hops of horrors, uh, t-shirts. So, uh, awesome to know that they, uh, you know, support this, which is, which is pretty cool. And as do all of you for coming back every week. Um, we're gonna do a little different episode today. Uh, we're doing Mothman prophecies from 2002. Um, it's borderline horror, probably more thriller, uh, psychological thriller, but there are some horror aspects to this. Um, kind of remember it being scary when I was a kid. Um, pardon me. Uh, this came out in, well, like I said, 2002, that'll put me right around 13 or 14 years old. Um, and this is something that I saw with my parents at the drive-in, uh, well, long time ago. Anyway, sitting at 52% on Rotten Tomatoes and 6.4% or (laughs) 6.4%. See, we're new year, same Johnny, right? That's, it's just, this, this is what you get guys. Uh, but you know that by now, um, we're not perfect and we don't claim to be. 6.4 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not a great movie. It's not a bad movie, but it, it's just kind of right in the middle. It's like one of these ones you can watch and you probably not watch it again. Um, but I, I haven't watched this in a long time. Uh, like I said, this, this was like a, I have a story here. Uh, and I will get to that as soon as I tell you a little bit about what we're drinking today. Uh, today we're doing Erdinger Dunkel, right? So Erdinger is the, the brewery. They're out of uh, Germany. Um, so German, this, this beer is so German that the untapped, uh, rating or, uh, description rather is all German. So I can't even give you a rundown on what the hell I'm even drinking here. Anyway, uh, it's 5.3%, um, nice, easy, you know, drinking beer flavored beer. You know, we like that here and, uh, sitting at 3.63 on untapped. So, you know, I don't think these, these beers ever get the, uh, the appreciation they deserve. We threw it at a four, four, two, five, try to boost it up a little bit. Um, and second, we're going to do, um, in honor of my dad who passed away a few years ago to be three years this year. Um, and he's part of the reason why I'm doing this movie in particular. And, uh, well, he helped get me into all this stuff that, you know, this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. So we're going to do a shot of Patron at the end of the episode. Um, just so I can get through the episode. <laughs> I am not an adult. I can't do straight liquor. Uh, and I'm not going to pretend to do it on, uh, you know, on the air anyway, but we're going to do a, a shot of uh, Patron Silver. Uh, he was a tequila guy. That was it. Well, he was Coors Light, which I hated uh, and tequila, which I hated. So, um, but I will do um, a shot uh, for him. And uh, this is actually a huge shout out to my buddy, Eric, um, who, had his last bottle of tequila at his house because, um, you know, we all used to hang out and, and drink together. Um, and he had his last bottle there. There wasn't a lot left. Um, so what he did was uh, Eric's, he bought two 
bottles of Patron and he poured some of my dad's and mine and some of my dad's and his. So we have, you know, essentially a little bit of his last bottle, you know, in this bottle. And as long as we keep passing it down in theory, you know, um, we'll always have a little bit of his tequila left with us. Um, so I do it once a year and, um, it's time. So story time real quick about the, about this, this came out in 02, like I said, and we went to the drive-in to see it. And this, um, this was in the era of landline telephones, uh, before we got, uh, smartphones and cell phones on your, on your person all the time. So if somebody wanted to call you, they'd call your house and leave a, leave a, uh, a message on your answering machine. So used to say in voicemail, but I mean, I guess it's kind of the same thing. Anyway, hold on. I have to clear my throat here. One second. Sorry about that. Um, so we go to the we go to the uh, drive-in and everything. That beer is fantastic. I love this beer. I could drink this all fucking day. Oh man, it's delicious. It's like roasty, not too malty. Um, kind of got like a little bit of a chocolatey flavor to it. Not not in your face chocolate. Just kind of like I don't know. I guess it's like the uh, the malt they're using right now uh, for that. So we go to the we get back from the drive-in. And for whatever reason, as like a teenager, you always thought the phone would be for you. Like it was your buddy calling or like that girl you were talking to, like maybe it'd be her. Uh, so we get back from the drive-in and drive-ins and, you know, pretty late. I can't remember if we saw two movies that night or if we just saw one, uh, regardless, it was entirely too late for anybody to be calling our house. Right. But I didn't put that together as a kid. So I run in, I answer the phone. My dad's outside. He's actually on the phone and he he replicates the Mothman's voice. Uh, and he knew that this movie kind of freaked me out because this is like the first one that I saw uh, that was like based on a true story. And it's the days before Google and all this stuff. So you couldn't really tell. You couldn't jump on right away and like debunk any fears you had. Right. You just kind of had to live with it. So I assume this motherfucker was still out there. Right. Because this is. And, and he, you know, if you've seen this movie, you know that, that he's real big on like phone calls and, and mimicking voices and all this other stuff. So, you know, just for him to call and, you know, mimic his voice, uh, my dad mimicked Mothman's voice <laughs> just to, just to scare the shit out of me. Um, I'll never forget that. And yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of, just kind of fun and playful. Um, all right. So we're through the nostalgia. We're going to go into the movie a little bit here uh also fun fact about this this beer that i'm drinking here so there was a bar back in pittsburgh um i guess more specifically uh moon township uh called the trivia pub and that was like one of the first i think a lot of people that that got into craft beer whether it was now but if you're like an old head like me and you've been drinking this stuff for like a long time um it was not available everywhere it just wasn't like blue moon was considered craft beer and i i, I guess it still kind of is but it's not the craft beer you see today, um, that was about, or Guinness, Guinness was considered like craft beer, you know, like imports were considered craft beers. So there was this place in moon that you can go and get like some really cool shit. And, uh, they had these great deep fried cheese balls with, uh, with barbecue sauce. And the, I went there so often, like I'm talking four or five days a week. Um, and I would literally just get like a beer and an order of cheese balls. Like that's, Sometimes I drink more beer than that, but you know what I mean? I wasn't like plowing through like 10 beers a night, but I love the cheese balls and I love the beer. And the main beer that they had was this Erdinger, right? The the beer I'm drinking right now. And I don't know if like their CO2 system was messed up. I don't know if you guys have, have had this, this issue. If you do feel free to comment on, uh, on the post, you know, whenever this goes up, but 
it would take forever because they, they'd pour it in, in a very large glass, like comically large glass, you know, but I think it still ended up being like a pint. Um, maybe it was a little larger, but it, it took forever for the head to like go down enough so she could put beer in. So you'd order it. And then like 10 minutes later, you get your beer. Um, but I loved it so much. Um, that was just like the beginning of my journey, just like trying new stuff. And, you know, here we are fucking 6,300 beers later. Cheers to me and my expensive dumbass hobby. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so let's, let's talk about the uh, Mothman a little bit, right? So we're giving this a six out of 10. Um, it's, it's not as good as I remembered. And a lot of movies, you know, that you remember really enjoying when you were younger, you know, they don't always hold up when you rewatch them through like your adult lenses, so to speak. So, but we will talk briefly, very briefly uh, about this is actually based on a, uh, it is based on a true story and actual events that did happen. They have a museum dedicated to this guy down in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Because if you didn't know, there's literally nothing else going on in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. So they have to have something. And this cryptid is what they fucking, you know, put their flag up. This is what we got. This is what we are. Come see us. Um, so, oh, here we go. Um, on November 15th, 1966, two young couples reported to the police having seen a large black creature with glowing red eyes. It was said to be about seven feet tall, but I've seen reports that it's like nine feet tall. So, I mean, I don't know how easily you're able to judge something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, especially it's in a dark or something like that. I don't know with white wings, but they weren't able to make out a face because they claimed that it had some kind of like hypnotic feature to it or whatever. This creature then pursued the couple as they fled towards town uh, in their car. And they claimed that this creature uh, was able to keep up with their car flying through the air and like screeching at them. Um, pretty much chased them to the town limits because uh, I guess they, they saw it outside of town at like a munitions factory or something like that. Um, I think is what I read. I don't know if both encounters were at the same spot, but I, I know that one of them was. So over the next few days, uh, more residents of the town uh, of Point Pleasant came forward having claimed to have seen this creature, right? Uh, but this is after the newspaper reported it. Now, I I know that there's like a syndrome um, or, or some kind of, it's not a disorder or anything like that, but it's like, if you, it, it's like a if you guys are all in a group, right. And everybody, you know, one person says they see something and then there's like another person next to it. Yeah, no, I definitely saw that too. And then, you know, you like almost, it's not the Mandela effect. That's how you remember something that didn't actually happen the way you think it happened or something. But you guys get what I'm talking about, right? It's, it's some kind of, you know, if you know what it is, you know, again, feel free to comment, drop, you know, so I don't feel like an idiot. I tried looking it up on the internet and I could not find anything. It was like asking, do you need help? Like, no, I just want to know this. It's a thing. I know it's a thing, but I can't, I couldn't put the words together on the search bar to like figure out exactly what I was looking for. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, so after the newspaper reported it, you know, a bunch of people were like, yeah, I definitely saw it too. Daryl, didn't you fucking see it? Yeah. The red glowing eyes. I seen the same damn thing. Uh, they don't all speak like that down there, but I was just, you know, that's my Jasper impression. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, so more than a, you know, more than a hundred people reported seeing this creature. And after a year of the initial sighting, uh, tragedy actually did strike and the silver bridge collapsed due to an unforeseen crack that triggered, uh, well, it collapsed really. Uh, so 47 people actually lost their lives that day. Um, reports came out after the incident claiming that the Mothman was seen flying around, um, and you know, so was he responsible? Was he, uh, was he there to warn people? You know, we, we don't know. 
Um, was it all just bullshit? Again, we don't know. That's any cryptid though. There's always that, you know, you have to suspend disbelief if you believe in anything like that. Cause if, um, to quote one of my favorite podcasts, if one of these stories is true, then there's a chance that they could all be true. You know, um, if, we, if this motherfucker really did exist, uh, to say he's not out there now, they, they, a lot of, uh, you know, scientists in the area, uh, claimed to have just debunked it by saying he was like a big, uh, a heron, you know, like a crane, like a, a big bird. Now, if you guys don't know what those two things are, <laughs> uh, so they just assume he's like a big bird. Um, and just out of context, I mean, yeah, that thing would look, some of these things get big. And if you were to see that and you're not used to seeing something like that and it like takes off in the fucking, from the tree, like, you know, I don't know about the gr- glowing red eyes or anything like that, but I don't know who knows what these damn kids were doing. Um, all right. So we're about 12 minutes in. Now let's talk about this movie. What do we like about it? Uh, this is one of the earliest like psychological thrillers that I can remember seeing, uh, as a teenager. Um, I I felt like it kind of got my juices going, uh, in my brain a little bit. I wasn't just watching like mindless fun or something like that. Like I kind of had to think about it and I enjoyed that. Uh, definitely intrigued me. And it's, it's kind of part of the reason why I'm still into these movies. Um, kind of owe a lot of credit to that. Um, a lot of my friends were watching, you know, Fast and the Furious and, you know, Star Wars. And not that I don't enjoy those movies from time to time. I mean, I do love Star Wars. That's that's not fair to even bring that into the conversation. But just those like, you know, dumb action movies, whatever, you know, just mindless fun um, to see something like this. It, I don't know how many kids are watching, you know, psychological thrillers at 14 or 13. You know, um, I think you find out that you like your brain being challenged a little bit and, you know, it just carries on from here. Uh, I do like the fact that this is based in fact, uh, supposed fact, uh, the lore. I always love lore and cryptids and, you know, these, these myths and legends and all that stuff. That stuff's always fascinated me because they have to stem from something, right? You can't just make it up. I mean, you can, but typically you have to have a bunch of people buy into the same thing, um, and carry on that story for a while for it to take. Yeah. But I mean, it's cool that they have like a whole museum built around this guy, right? Like, so, but then again, there's not, (laughs) I can't imagine there's much else to do down there. Although shout out to Kaylin, a good friend of my wife's uh, and ours. He, uh, he was down there not too long ago, scooped me a super badass uh, shirt. I actually don't have it on today. I plan on wearing it for the episode, but with a kid and trying to squeeze in time to get these recorded, um, you know, little things like that get forgotten. But thank you again for that shirt. And I got a cool little pamphlet actually sitting right in front of me and I just keep staring at it and I forgot to even mention it, but I would be, I would like to get down there. And, and see that someday. Um, all right. What we didn't like. That's, it's kind of a cheesy 2000s horror thriller. Uh, so, again, revisiting it upon, you know, after watching movies like Hereditary and like Inception, we just watched Oppenheimer over the weekend. And that blew my fucking mind. That was a beautiful, perfect film. Loved it. And then I watched this. <laughs> and it's like they're just not in the same fucking universe. But I guess they are because... Uh, I watched them both in the same weekend, uh, in the same house, nonetheless. Um, but there's just like some weird, you know, camera angles, unnecessary scenes that like, you know, really have to, they emphasize on, on trying to tie things together to like, get it. We're being edgy, huh? We're be, it's a cycle. You get what we're trying to do here, huh? And if you have to explain it, it's like a good joke, right? You shouldn't have to explain it, right? If your movie's good enough, you shouldn't have to constantly harp on these details if not everybody gets it that's their problem not yours director uh but then i looked at what this guy did otherwise and it 
I feel like he's just like a like a Hallmark movie kind of guy. Like like I mean, he's definitely more successful than I am, but <laughs> he hasn't done anything else really of note. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, all right. So let's jump into the movie here. Let me get some beer and we'll talk. Uh, yeah, let's go. This beer's fantastic. I could drink like a fucking a whole bunch of these. Um, so it opens up with uh, John Klein, played by Richard Gere. Um, he's calling his wife, played by Deborah Messing. She is, um, oh, what the hell's her face from, uh, not Dharma and Greg. What's the other one that was around the same time with like the, the gay roommate? God damn it. What the hell was, wow. I fucking, oh, this is going to bug me. I got to look it up. You guys got to bear with me. Um, Deborah Messing, what the fuck was she in? Uh, you guys are probably screaming it right now. Um, hold on. It's coming. It's coming. Nope. That's Deborah Winger. Uh, wrong one that wrong Deborah, Deborah messing. Here we go. It's going to be something so easy. Will and grace. That's it. Yep. So that's again, late nineties, early two thousands, uh, you know, romantic sitcoms with, uh, you know, two people anyway. Um, so, you know, it's got a decent cast, you know, Laura Linney's in this also. And, uh, there was that guy that was in like every two thousands movie for like a 10 year stretch. He's in like gone in 60 seconds. It's like, will something now I'm going to look this up too. Uh, again, a real podcast host would have his shit together. And as my wife so lovingly called me out <laughs> uh, on our awards episode that I am uh, indeed an amateur. Will Patton. Yeah. Oh, the director is actually in here. No shit. He's the bartender. How about that? Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Laura Linney, famous for, you know, from Ozark and uh, Will Patton. He's in fucking everything. Gone in 60 seconds. He's in this. He's in... Uh, What's that other? Uh, remember the Titans? He's like the other coach and all that stuff. Uh, so he's he's just been in like everything, right? So um, got a solid cast, right? So leading off pretty well. And honestly, I really did enjoy the the revisit here. The first like probably half hour, um, you know, he calls his wife. It looks like they're going to a party or something like that. And um, you know, I have a note here that it's just very two thousands. It's the lighting, it's the camera angles, it's everything. So we don't have to touch base on that anymore. Um, but it looks like they're going to do something, you know, they're going to a party, but actually they're going to look for a house. Uh, and they finally settle on this house. They love it. They're going to buy it, uh, on their way home. Uh, his wife, uh, has a very disturbing, brief, disturbing vision where like an entity kind of like attacks them in a sense. Like it just appears out of nowhere and like hits the car. Um, she swerves to miss it. Uh, John doesn't see it. Obviously she cracks her head and, uh, through this accident, um, they discover that she has a tumor. Um, now was this a Mothman prediction? Because this kind of plays into it a little later. Um, you know, that, that he, he does do, it's like a theory, you know, and, and we did talk about that earlier. Like, was he, you know, the, does he make predictions to like help people? Is he there as like a warning? Is he a bad omen? You know, what, what exactly is he? Uh, so anyway, John comes back, uh, take a look at the, the scene of the crime, looking for answers, you know, doesn't really find anything. She ends up dying as a result of all of this. Um, and upon removing all of her stuff from the hospital, um, he comes across some really disturbing images that uh, one of the nurse points out that she began drawing, drawing, <laughs> drawing in her final days. Um, you know, a lot of like demonic looking things and essentially what the, what the Mothman would look like in theory. <clears throat> so, you know, it jumps two years later and, uh, you know, John, he's a reporter, he gets a lead on a story and he is en route to go do the story. Uh, but bad luck, you know, as it would have it, uh, he breaks down in, uh, 
Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Please don't sue me, John Denver. Please don't sue me, John Denver. Please don't sue me, John Denver. <laughs> I, fi- I think you can get away with like little excerpts like that. Anyway, uh, I fucking love West Virginia. I live 10 minutes from there, and uh, it's like way cheaper than where I live. Uh, and Seneca Rocks is like my favorite place on earth. When I die, burn me and, and just throw some of my ashes over there because if I have the ability to haunt somebody, I want to do it there. Uh, at least have a nice view. Any day. Uh, any day. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Uh, in the days before smartphones and whatnot, um, if you broke down, I mean, even if you don't have service, you're kind of fucked, right? Like you got to go walk and find help. And that's what John does. Um, and he ends up finding uh, a local, but this local, uh, has been expecting him. Will Patton, uh, rips him in through the fucking door, uh, at gunpoint nonetheless. And he said, I've been waiting for you. So, you know, you're kind of sucked in here, right? You're like, well, what the fuck's going on here? Um, he said, you've been at my house the past two fucking nights. You know, actually, I don't know if that's the word he uses, but you know, uh, so you're like, well, wait a minute. Was he? Cause you know, you, you it did kind of jump. So you don't even really know what happened. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, the cop get called and they show up and they're trying to figure out exactly what's going on here. Um, he has no idea. So the cop takes John, takes him to the motel. They figure out the car in the morning. When he finds out at the motel that he's like way off course, like three or four hours off course. So essentially he's been steered there. Um, he, he, he blacks out. He, I think he talks to his buddy back in DC and he's like, I was supposed to be there today, but like, you're going to have to cover for me. Cause I don't know what's going on. My car's broken down and I'm in the middle of West Virginia. And he's like, why are you there? He's like, I don't know. I don't know how I got here. I just, you know, I left and then I ended up here. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of intriguing, right? Like you're thinking that like, this is going to go somewhere. There's like some mystery involved. It's fun. Um, so he tries to capture himself. Okay. My dog is being annoying. Uh, hopefully you guys can bear with me here. Um, he tries to capture himself, uh, you know, a little stake out here outside a guy's house. Cause he does get his car back. Um, and he does find out that, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. So he's taken out, um, you know, his house and he's looking and, and he's actually approached by the cop. Uh, she pulls up behind him to make sure that nothing is happening. So they get in the car together and they're watching and nothing happens. Nothing happens. So, you know, why is he here? What is going on? John starts trying to do some interviews with the, uh, with the, the, the cop, uh, Laura Linney. I think her name's Connie in this, um, I guess she's had some reports lately of, of weird things happening and she's known John all of two seconds maybe and starts, Oh yeah, just come take a look at these police files of these, these, uh, <laughs> these incidents that we've had reported here lately. Um, you know, cause he's a reporter. So of course, you know, he's, he's good with all that stuff. So weird things are happening still, you know, that it, it kind of gets a little messy here. Um, they really start pushing this like, odd whatever is going on so a few few things happen and then uh gordon who is will Patton's uh character the guy that accused him of seeing him uh earlier uh the past two nights or whatever runs into him and says that uh a voice you know he had a dream and and a voice said to him that you know 99 will die and 
Sure as shit. Um, you know, while they're at, at a diner or whatever, there's a news story that comes across with that exact information, uh, plane crashes killing 99 in Denver. Uh, and one might call it a Mothman prophecy. Yeah, that was low hanging fruit there. Sorry about that. No, I had to take it. Um, I love the soundboard. It is so much fun. <laughs> uh, so John tells the cop of this happening and, and then she starts telling him about this weird dream that she had about like, drowning and there's Christmas presents and all this other stuff. So there's some foreshadowing going on here, but Gordon is really uh, kind of wrapped up in, in what's going on here. He's kind of losing his mind. Um, he claims to have met the Mothman and he says that his name is Indrid cold, right? Which is 100% um, a real entity uh, or well, a creepypasta uh, of American origin, actually known as the smiling man, or the Grinning Man, um, and it has no known affiliation with Mothman. So I'm kind of curious as to why they use that name in particular. It is kind of a cool name, not going to lie. But the prophecies keep rolling here. Uh, another prophecy of 300 people dying near the equator, and you're just like, okay, we get it. There's going to be another death. So, you know, uh, at 13, I'm like, wow, man, this is crazy. This guy can tell the future. And <laughs> now I'm like, Yes, we get it. He can tell the future. You don't have to keep telling me. Um, but the question arises, is he a hero or is he a villain? Is he doing these things to get people to trust him uh, so he can warn them? Or is he just, um, you know, like, can you get ahead of it? Or cause he, he's kind of vague. He's not exactly telling you where this stuff's going to happen. Uh, the earthquake happened in, you know, Chile or something. Chile. Uh, John gets a call at his motel. I need to sip a beer before I go on my rant here. Can we make motels cool again? Like it, it's going to happen. You know, what's old is new again or whatever the saying is, but people are looking for budget friendly, budget friendly stays. Um, but motels are looked down upon, you know, like I see potential for some, for some really efficient lodging here. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've always kind of liked the idea of, of a motel, um, not that I'd ever stay in one, uh, but I just like the idea of them. I think, you know, there's probably plenty of nice ones out there where you can stop by and, you know, it's one room. It's it's, it's a hotel room. It's the same thing, except you don't got to go through a stupid lobby and you don't get, you know, you just park right outside and go in. I don't know. I felt like it, it, it could be cool if, if you, you know, I don't know. I think motels could be cool uh, if they just were, you know, treated like anything else and, and, if somebody cares about it and takes care of it, it could be cool. All right. So that rant did not go the way I wanted it to, but regardless, um, John gets a call <laughs> from Gordon at, uh, at the motel. And I do believe, um, the cop is with him. So he says, apparently he's there with the Mothman. So he sends Connie to go take, take a look. And John tries to keep him on the phone. Um, so he just starts rat, you know, rattling off all these things about John's life that he has no reason of knowing. So it's, it's getting, you know, I mean, it would get your attention too, if that fucking happened, you know? <clears throat> so he tests him. He said, okay, fine. He thinks he's being washed. He's like shutting everything. He's getting all paranoid, you know, making sure his blinds are shut and all that stuff. He has, he like takes his watch off and he throws it somewhere and he's like, where is it? Andrew tells him exactly where it is. So he says, okay. Um, he ups the game a little bit he grabs the Bible and, you know, starts, picking lines or whatever and Andrew's reading exactly the line he has his finger on. So that would fuck with you in a big way that this thing is just like on another level, you know, and, and I actually got some kind of like, uh, like 
alien kind of vibes here. Like he, it, I don't know. He felt more like it, like an alien entity than he did like a our traditional, I don't know, like, like demonic or otherworldly. I don't know. He just felt like he was not of this world. Um, maybe it's like the way he sounded, like his voice. I don't know. Uh, but the cop arrives at Gordon's house and sees that he wasn't even on the phone. He said, you know, it's whatever. Um, John had had recorded his his phone call though um and he gets it analyzed and he's told that whatever he's talking to isn't human so you know i don't know that was kind of an eye roll moment but as a kid i'm like oh my god what could it be oh <laughs> uh, so not much really happens here uh some more just the the basic foreshadowing that's been happening already um it's definitely dated mothman is big on the landline like i don't think kids would understand how unnerving it would be to get like a phone call after you were supposed to like, not nobody calls you late and is your buddy or like, God forbid something's wrong or whatever it is, you know, but you don't get a phone call after a certain time. Um, and everybody texts now too. So it's not even something random, but once upon a time you could get a phone call at like midnight or like two o'clock in the morning. Like sometimes that shit would happen and, uh, you know, wake everybody up in the house and you're like, what the fuck's going on? Um, now imagine that happening, you answering your phone and you're not knowing what the hell it is. It's some weird voice or it's somebody you're not even sure if it's, if it's your friend, if it's your, you know, actual girlfriend or kid, or if it's, you know, you don't know what it is. That's kind of the mystery of Mothman in this anyway. So, you know, the director definitely took this like legend and fucking ran with it because this is like not at all. <laughs> What what happened, as you guys heard earlier in the episode, um, he was not technologically savvy, uh, as they say. Anyway, um, so he gets called from Mothman, implying something has happened to Gordon. Uh, so he, you know, Gordon or John rushes over to, to check on old old Gordon and uh, calls the cops after he finds him and, and finds out that, uh, you know, he's dead. He just died from exposure. He was out there now. Like, I remember that scene that kind of like messed with me a little bit that like, I don't know, he was just like out there and dead. Like, like he got sick. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know you could die from just being outside all the time. I just thought he got like sick and died. I don't know. Anyway, um, but could you imagine being tormented by some kind of entity um, or whatever it was uh, or, you know, at the very least, like enticed uh, to the point where you'd follow it to your death? And And that's what happened to Gordon. He became so obsessed with this thing trying to meet it and, and, you know, please it and follow it and whatever. And, uh, you know, you almost wonder if like mental illness even played a factor into all this. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I don't fucking know. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're just trying to add more mystique to the Mothman. But he's playing some tricks, you know, phony voicemails are coming through. Um, now he's, you know, he's really starting to get in John's head. John throws a little hissy fit in his fucking motel room and he slams the door and, uh, there's a quick shot there that's pretty cool and pretty creepy. I remember that dorked me out as a kid. Uh, you catch the face of the Mothman or something uh, in John's room with him that he does not know is there, which is definitely creepy. Um, next day, this is where, um, you know, Mothman really starts crossing the line. Uh, he starts posing as his wife. They never really explain how this even happened or how he does this, but um you know, he, he poses as John's dead wife, uh, who's been dead for two years now and she's walking around and, you know, she's giving out letters and bumping into people and all this other stuff. So 
he, uh, all right, let's see where the hell we are here. Cause my, I changed the way my fucking notes are and now I'm all messed up. Give me a sip of beer here. Give me a break so I can get a sip of beer here. <laughs> yeah. So he gets a phone call or, uh, somebody said that, what the hell, what is this? John, what is going on here? What, what, I didn't even drink during watching this either. Um, slipping into madness, seemingly after a call connected him to why he's there. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't really know what the hell that note was even about. Um, anyway, so he gets, uh, he, he thinks something bad is going to happen. There, so there's a power plant that, you know, it's up the, up the river or whatever. You guys know this. If you watched it, if you haven't, there's a power plant up the river. Uh, and he gets some input from this cryptid. And he encourages the guy to, whoever the hell he's talking to that I didn't write down in the notes, um, he, <laughs> he encourages them to cancel the tour. He thinks something uh, bad is going to happen. <clears throat> John failed. Uh, it did not cancel. Uh, they go on. And everything's doing whatever. So he receives um, a letter <laughs> stating that he'll get a call from his dead wife. And then John heads to, D- uh, to D.C. Um, so the cops try to convince him to come back on Christmas Eve. She tried to convince him to spend the holidays with her. Like she barely known him. What, like <laughs> a couple weeks? I don't know. Um, but she really likes him, apparently. Um, so he heads back. He's like, fuck it. Let's go back. Uh, but he gets stuck in the traffic on the bridge. So this does mimic the, uh, the actual event that did take place. Um, the point, the, uh, silver bridge collapse. And, uh, he realizes kind of, this is, this is the incident that he was talking about, uh, that the Mothman was trying to warn people about, warn him about, and he's trying to get everybody out of the car. Um, he's trying to do everything he can, but it's a little, it's a little too late. The bridge starts collapsing everybody's like trying to escape but it's not happening you know cars are getting fucking dumped into the river in the middle it's christmas eve um you know connie's car gets dumped in there and this is the the dream that that has come back to you know reality now uh she's floating around like presents and whatnot they're in the in the river john dives in saves her all this stuff uh the next scene is um you know, a bunch of rescue teams searching for survivors and, uh, yeah, rest in peace to, to those that actually did lose their lives and this, this real life event that happened. Um, but it's revealed that 36 people died in the, uh, the accident. And she calls back to her dream saying, uh, wake up number 37. So, you know, did, did John stop all of this from being worse from continuing or was he just like a cog in the machine? Was it going to happen the whole time? You know, I don't, I don't know, but that's the movie. That's it. Um, you know, it, it all builds to this one moment of, of chaos. Um, and you know, from what I was reading about the actual Mothman, he has not been seen, uh, or any trace of him or anything like that since, yeah, I mean, so probably 60, 60 years now, just about, um, this movie was just one of those ones that, you know, I remember being, uh, I really enjoyed it uh, when I was younger uh, didn't enjoy it as much this time. Um, maybe cause I'm, you know, the analytical eye, I don't know. Uh, but regardless, this episode was fun. Uh, I did have a good time doing it cause it was, it was a little different. There's some fun shit in there about the actual Mothman and, you know, just the stories and, and everything. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to do our shot of tequila for the big guy. Uh, Misha dad, uh, man, this was, yeah. Thank you for just, you know, giving us some inspiration here to, to keep going in, in this direction. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Now here we are. Let's see where it goes. Uh, 
happy happy birthday. Oh man, you know it's not uh, <clears throat> it's not great. I had to chase it with beer, and I don't know if they made it worse or better. Oh man, wow! I just I'm such a sissy, man. I just cannot do ah uh, straight liquor. Whew, I can drink any beer you give me. That didn't bother me at all. I've done crazy hot sauces. You know, I'm not saying I love them, but whew, I'm just not a fan of straight liquor that that man was. So, uh, cheers to the big guy. Um, next week, next two weeks are going to be a little, uh, little different. Uh, we are taking a little break here. Uh, I have two pre-recorded episodes that we're going to drop. One of them is from the archives. Uh, it's paranormal activity. Um, and we're going to do, uh, the lodge, uh, that I recorded after watching it for, uh, the Frightmares podcast. If you guys haven't checked out that episode, jump over to Frightmares, check it out. He actually just did his top 10 list. Um, I think this week, uh, top 10 of 2023, which was good. Uh, and he had a couple of guests on there. Um, that was a solid episode. Really enjoyed that different opinions, which I always like, cause I like being able to you know, kind of talk about, well, why didn't you like this one as much as I did? It's okay to be wrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we did an episode a while ago. Um, that was, that was a lot of fun. Looking forward to doing more stuff like that this year. Um, jump on over to horror reviews by the collective. We're doing some cool stuff there. Just brought on another new writer. Um, that guy's pumping out fucking reviews every 10 minutes, it seems. So I got to up my game. Um, but this will get dropped tomorrow. Um, yeah. So like I said, we got paranormal activity with, uh, our old buddy, Chris Galarza, uh, chef Chris Galarza. Um, and I'll probably add a little intro into the beginning of that. Just forewarning everybody to bear with me because this is an early episode. I think it's like the second or third one I ever recorded. So it's a lot different than what we do now. Not saying I'm better now, just saying it's different now. And uh, then I said, we're going to do the lodge. So uh, yeah, you guys got those two to look forward to after that. I might uh, shake it up with like a, like a bigger, I know we've been doing some, some kind of like, you know, maybe not huge big title reviews. I might do one of those uh, before we jump back into some other stuff. I know the conjuring's on our list. Um, There's a bunch of stuff. So Maybe we'll do something like that. I don't know, but stay tuned on the uh, on the Facebook pages and the the Instagram pages. And I don't know why I said pages because there's only one of each. Uh, yeah, uh, if you haven't, throw us a like, throw us a review, any of that stuff. It all helps. Um, recommend it to a friend that might be able to tolerate me for 38 minutes of talking about a, you know, trying to get my shit together. <clears throat> I promise that I'll do that on the fifth of never. With that, we will talk to you guys next week. And cheers.